Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. We already know where they come from and what their beliefs are. And the, one of the main things that concerns me is obviously how they feel towards Christians, but also how they feel towards Israel. And we just came off of, of four years of the best relationship we've ever had, really, with Israel. And we're now going to go into a, kind of a third administration of Obama, who hated Israel, and the rest of these people that followed them hate Israel as well. And it concerns me, should concern you because it's a biblical thing, um, but it, it continues to show you and I that something major happened, uh, obviously with the election, but this, this last year was a turning point um, for a lot of things. And a lot of things prophetically as well, and things are starting to line up. And that being the case, now that you're seeing this, okay, we got, we got, they're going to have issues with Israel. They're going, they're, they don't like Christians. They, they're going to change the free market system. They're going to do this. What starts happening is a lot of Christians start feeling trapped that we're never going to return to the good old days. And that's true. We're not. They're, we're, we're moving on. But a lot of people feel trapped, and they're like, well, what can I do? Uh, because they have every sector of society cornered, whether it's education, the media, the politics, even the churches. They've hijacked a lot of the mainline churches, are hijacked completely, buying into the social gospel, Marxism, and whatnot. And a lot of Christians are really having a lot of angst. They're having a lot of anger. They're having a lot of depression because they feel hemmed in, and they're like, I don't have any place to go. And the idea is, well, maybe we'll move out of the state. Well, okay, but this is a global thing. This is not just simply what's happening in California. This is a global thing. And what the Biden administration is preparing to do is bring this to all of the United States and put the United States under the umbrella of uh, a one-world government, really, and a digital currency and whatnot. There's no place to run. There's no more, you know, like the pilgrims, they set sail for the, the new world. And there's no new world. Everything is taken up. Everything is corrupted. Everything has been infected by this disease called evil. And so it leaves a lot of Christians with this, I feel trapped mentality. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to bridge that to what's going on in the scriptures, where we're at. We're in the area of scriptures, that's really a high point of the Exodus, which is the parting of the Red Sea. Everybody knows that story, but I want to get into the nooks and crannies so that you can see the parallels by what we're going through right now as believers is the same parallels that Israel was dealing with Egypt and Pharaoh and what was going on. So let me tell you this. The setting, obviously, is they're leaving Egypt. The 10th plague has happened. Pharaoh has released them. And they go into the desert, and they're following the path that God is leading through the Shekinah glory. And they're on this path. They don't know where they're going, but they're going to a place that's going to entrap them, where they can't, there's nowhere to go. There's, there's no wiggle room. And it would seem that God led them to a dead end. 
And that's how a lot of Christians are feeling. But what you're going to realize is the entrapment feeling that you're feeling is not necessarily a dead end. It looks like that on the outside, but it's not. God is actually doing something right now, the same as he did with Pharaoh, he's doing right now to the world. Back then it was Egypt. Egypt represents the world, but now it's actually the whole globe. The whole point in this, this is what I want you to understand as we read the text. God is definitely at work, and you can see his hand right now. The reason it's going this way, the reason you and I are going to get legal persecution towards us is that God is setting a trap for them, just like he's setting a trap for Pharaoh, and that obviously God is going to show Israel and the whole world how he can deliver people out of impossible circumstances. And that's the lesson he's going to show you and I as the church. As I did with Israel, I can do with the church. They can breathe their fiery threats against you, tell you you're going to be marginalized, tell you you're going to be kicked out of society, ban you from Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. But what they don't realize is they're taking the bait and a trap has been set. So when you and I look at it, you have to start seeing it more on that level to understand the times that we live in. So with that being said, let's move into the text, chapter 14. I've entitled that the Lord's deliverance can be trusted. And we're going to start in verse 1. We'll get as far as we can get because I want to take my time through this. This is a major, major scene in the Bible. you got to spend some time there to get all of it out. It says this in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pihahiroth. Uh, Pihahiroth means mouth of the caverns. I'll show you what where Pihahiroth is. Between Migdal, Migdal in Hebrew means tower or fortified city, and the sea, referring to the Red Sea. Opposite of Baal, Zephon, this is the mountain range in Midian in Saudi Arabia. I'll show you this. This was in honor of the false god called the storm god. That false god was involved in storms and whatnot, lightning. And it says, you shall camp before it by the sea. Now, obviously, this is getting Israel, and this is the principle, to leave Egypt, but they're going to something. And so when God leads you, he doesn't just lead you from something, he leads you to something. Eventually, the ultimate goal is to get to the promised land. But right now, in the immediate context, is to get them to a place called Nueva Beach. That's where this conflict is going to happen. So you're leaving Egypt to get to Nueva Beach. Well, this will be the final showdown that God demonstrates his ultimate power over the seas as he demonstrates that he can rescue Israel. Okay, so let me show you the route and just get this under our belts a little bit. As you can see in the Exodus route, this is the path they're going to take through the wilderness. Now, like we talked about last time, this is the way of the Philistines. This is the shorter route, the Via Mara, which gets them to Canaan quicker and easier. But Israel's not ready for this, and God has another plan for them. 
and a plan for Pharaoh and Egypt as well. So he's going to take them on this particular path. Now, this particular path is windy, it's cavernous. The mountaintops are about 2,000 feet, and they just enclose you. And you're in these little wadis walking through. So let me show you some other pictures real quick. This is the area that you satellite as you're, they're going to come down. They're going through these wadis, and you're going to see later in the text, it's going to say that God turned them back, and they were going this way, but then they get turned this way, and they go through here, through the wadi watir, and then they're going to come out of this area right here uh, called Pai Hahiroth. Um, See if I can get the thing. Pai Hahiroth is is this area right here. It's the mouth of the canyon, and where they come out onto this beach. This beach is called Nueva Beach, and so here's the beach from a satellite, and this is Pai uh, or Pai Hahiroth right here. This is the mouth of the canyon, and this is the, the path they came out of right here. Over here on this northern side is Migdal. It's a Egyptian fortress that prevented them from going north. As you, as you can see south, there's nowhere to go. You're, they're stuck here on this beach called Nueva Beach. Now, this beach is five miles, and it's very large. It obviously can, could accommodate two million people, and so this is where he led them. It's an entrapment. It seems from the outside, but it's really not. So Pharaoh's going to say they're going to get reports from his Egyptian reporters of they're trapped. They don't even know where they're going. They're stuck here. This is our opportunity to take advantage of them, take them back to Egypt, and we can have the victory over Yahweh and over Israel. Let me show you some other pictures real quick so you can kind of... This is the fortress that's still there. It's an Egyptian fortress that's called Migdal. And it's the northern part of Nueva Beach. It's still there today. You can see, obviously, there's a road going right by it. These places have not been really touched very much because, obviously, the Sinai is mostly uninhabitable. But um, you still can go there today and see these places. The interesting thing on Nueva Beach is this major pillar here. This pillar has been worn down, so you can't see any writing on it. But there was another pillar directly across the Red Sea on the other side of, of where we consider Saudi Arabia. But as you can see on the Arabian side, the pillar was removed. Most Muslims destroy Hebrew sites. And they, the Muslims realized this was a Hebrew pillar because on the pillar it had Phoenician names on it. But some of this Phoenician was like very similar to ancient Hebrew. And it had these particular names on it. Mizraim, which is another name for Egypt, was on, it was engraved on the pillar. It had the name Death. It had the name Water, Moses, Pharaoh, Edom. It had the name, the personal name of God on there, Yahweh. And the other name that was inscribed was Solomon, King Solomon. So what archaeologists have concluded is that it must have been during the reign of Solomon that Solomon erected two pillars, one on Nueva Beach and one on the Arabian side, which would be considered Midian. So these two pillars actually represent the pathway through the sea on both sides. Now, like I said, you, the, the pillar was removed on the Saudi side, but Nueva Beach's pillar is still there. Now, the funny thing about this place, the pillars are right here, but this this little 
place where they crossed. I'll show you next time when we get more into the actual crossing. That Red Sea, it is really deep, deep. And then all of a sudden where the pillars are, there's a land bridge underneath the water that actually comes up and it's right by the surface. So if you can imagine really deep all the way going and then all of a sudden it comes up and the slope, it goes about 2,500 feet underwater. The slope is at a 5% grade going down and then the slope is another 5% grade going up, which is completely walkable. It's not steep. It's really sloped very easy. And it's a land bridge underneath the whole thing. It's amazing. You'll see the underwater. There's remains of chariot wheels where they had the coral still on it. The wood's gone, but the coral still has the shape of the actual chariot wheels right under there. It's amazing. I'll show you this in another sermon, but along this beach path right here where they entered the water, the very curious thing going on in the sand. The sand is melted. It's the weirdest thing. It couldn't have been done by just a simple human fire. There was some fire there that literally melted the sand and like would only turn it to almost a glass type of thing. Well, obviously, if you look at the biblical record, you know what was going on here. Yahweh put the Shekinah fire and blocked Pharaoh. Remember that? As Israel went into the water, Yahweh blocked it with his fire. And that encrusted burnt sand is all along this beach area. I mean, all the evidence points to it, man. It is absolutely amazing to see all the archaeological evidence that still is there today of where Israel crossed the Red Sea. We'll get more into that when we actually get into the crossing. I'm really focusing on today Pharaoh's uh, attack on them. Let me make this point, too. What I want to explain this, this is interesting, because most people say... Two million people, how are they going to cross the Sinai Peninsula when you have charioteers behind you going after you? Because that's what he pursued them with. And the chariot was just invented at this point in time. Right before Moses crossed, the chariot had just been invented. And so the Egyptians used chariots as a new weapon of warfare. Well, anyway, it says that they crossed, they, they walked day and night. The Shekinah glory led them day and night. They didn't stop. They didn't take a break. They moved through the Sinai Peninsula day and night. Well, then I, you start asking yourself questions. Well, how did they do that? I mean, if you're going at three miles an hour and you have elderly with you, you have handicapped people with you perhaps, people that can't walk good, you have children with you, How are they able to cross the Sinai Peninsula to avoid the charioteers catching up to them? Well, we have some clues in Scripture about this traveling that they did. The first one is in Exodus 19, which I want to show you. Exodus 19 says this, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The the concept of I bore you on eagle's wings has to do with swiftness, but it also has to do with God supernaturally making them swift, that he did something that enabled them to cross swiftly physically in their bodies. Now, we get another clue from another passage in the Psalms that talk about this. 
And, and it says in Psalm 105:37, and there was none feeble among his tribes. So out of all the, 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 the two million people, the 12 tribes, there was no one that was feeble. Well, how did that happen? Because obviously, you know, they had to have elderly people that were feeble. They had to have handicapped people that were feeble and couldn't make the journey. It shows us that God supernaturally empowered his people to make that walk, whether they were a 100 years old or they were five years old, whether they had handicap, maybe he healed them. But what it says is God supernaturally made it possible to get from point A to point B physically with his supernatural aid. And that's how they were able to outrun and get to Nueva Beach before Pharaoh did. Now, what does that mean for you and I? Well, one of the takeaways you want to think about in our lives and what we're going through right now, the world is very dark. It's, it's, it's closing in on us how dark it is. But we know we have a mission. We know we have a destiny. We know that the Lord's going to use us. And you're going to say, man, how are we going to be able to minister in the days ahead when all this stuff is getting thrown at the church, all these things are being thrown at Christians? How are we going to get from point A to point B to accomplish our mission? Well, it's the same way. Israel couldn't tell you how they did it because Yahweh empowered them to do it. No matter what happens and what's thrown in our way, in our path, if God wants you to accomplish something... And if you're faithful and obedient, you will accomplish it. You just got to be obedient and just take the walk, just like Israel did. And somehow, he'll get you from point A to point B. That's the spiritual lesson. Don't stop. If it looks like you can't do it, just keep pushing forward. Keep driving forward, and God somehow will supernaturally get you there. That's the point with Israel, okay? So let's continue on, and I want you to see... What starts happening? Verse 3 with Pharaoh. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed them in. Ah, so from Pharaoh's perception, from the Egyptian worldly perception of what's happening with Israel, they think Israel is wandering aimlessly in the, the wilderness. Pharaoh thinks that God has left them. He got them out of Egypt, but he has left them. He thinks God is just some type of tribal deity and that God has left them, even though God is still with them, and that they're just wandering out there. They don't know where they're going. They're, they're, so now they're easy pickings. And so now Pharaoh thinks, I can get them back because I want to re-enslave them and hold them down. I don't want them going away from me into the promised land. So with this being said, the trap now is set. Because of Pharaoh's misperception, he is now taking the bait. This is my opportunity. We're going to make it happen. So now I want you to bridge that to current events. They think, because of this election fraud, that this is their chance to take over America. We've got Trump out of there. We got all these people out, and we can now, as swamp creatures, get back in there and take over and do what we want to do. The swamp creatures see this as their opportunity to bring in the one world government with through the Great Reset, the digital currency, 
the one world religion in which Christianity and Judaism are excluded, and they see that this is the time to strike. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum said, without this COVID-19, which is really the Wuhan China virus, without that, we couldn't have achieved these lockdowns and what we want through the Great Reset. Folks, do you understand? They are not in control. God is, and God is laying a trap for them. They are taking the bait. We're going to seize this now. No more Judeo-Christian ethics. We want it out of America. This is really where we can sink our teeth in and fundamentally change America. They've taken the bait. So folks, when you see how bad things are getting, you need to laugh to yourself and say, you fools! You're walking into a trap. Go for it. Do your one world government. Because what you're going to get out of this is the Antichrist. And you, George Soros, and Bill Gates, and Biden, and Harris, and all you other worldly, ungodly people will one day bow a knee to the Antichrist, or he'll chop your head off. You have no idea what you're doing. You think you're going to rule the world. It will be Satan's man who rules the world, and you will be under him. That's what you're going to get. That one world government that's going to be so lucrative for you economically will come under his power, not yours. You're going into a trap. And you want it, and you get it. In fact, God will grease the skids, because look what he says he did to Pharaoh. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Now, I've talked about hardening of Pharaoh's heart and what it really means Pharaoh already has hardened his own heart. But what it means is God is actually strengthening Pharaoh to give him the strength to keep doing what he wants to do, to give him the energy and lack of fear to keep opposing Yahweh. I mean, after 10 plagues, you think this guy would learn his lesson, right? No, that's not the nature of evil. The nature of evil is he just keeps wanting more. But it's kind of like a Romans 1 where he's, he's given Pharaoh over, there's no doubt, but he's also strengthened Pharaoh to continue the agenda because God wants him to go for it. He wants this agenda for Pharaoh to keep playing itself out because he's going to destroy Pharaoh and his armies once and for all. Now let's bridge it to today. This trap is set for the world. Now you can escape the trap through Jesus Christ, by coming to faith in him. But if you will refuse to come to faith in Messiah, you will be left behind for this world and the trap that's getting ready to be sprung. And in that trap, you will find the same thing out that Pharaoh finds out. That evil can only be dealt with in two ways. One is to destroy it utterly, which God will do to Pharaoh's armies. And spiritually speaking, after they're physically dead, you have to put evil in quarantine in which they never can escape. So the temporary holding place for now is Hades, and then eventually the eternal holding place is the lake of fire. That's the only way you can deal with evil. That's what Scripture is trying to tell us. 
it's funny that, that these, these politicians who think they're so smart on international politics think, now that Biden and Harris are in, that they're going to go back to dealing with Iran and the Palestinians and who knows, North Korea. I mean, for goodness sake, they're doing deals with China. China's owning us right now. China is, is the one behind a lot of this. China was behind this virus. And by the way, a lot of these politicians are Maoist communists, by the way. Okay? And so, if you were in international politics, the only way you deal with evil is exactly what Trump did. You strengthen your military. Because all they understand is power. Because evil doesn't understand right and wrong. They only understand power. And yet we're going into making our military less powerful. They've already said they're going to do that. And start doing deals with evil countries like Iran and stuff. Oh, then you don't understand the nature of evil. Evil can't be compromised with. It cannot be negotiated with. It only understands one thing. And unfortunately, the kind of people now that are running our country will do deals with the devil. They will hook, line, and sink or do a deal with China or Iran or North Korea or whatever. And it's bothersome to me to see that. But nonetheless, I still know God's in control and it's part of his plan. And so Pharaoh is going to go after them. But what God is saying, look in the next verse, he says, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord or I am Yahweh, and they did so. So God is saying, you understand the trap I'm setting. I'm hardening his heart. I'm strengthening him to carry out this evil desire that he has, but I'm going to get glory from this. My name will be exalted, and all the world will know it is what God is saying. So when it looks bad, you have to think about in terms, what kind of glory is going to come out of this? Well, you think about it, God is trying to send a message at that time to the whole world with the plagues and the the parting of the Red Sea and showing the whole world that he is the one true God, that he is the, the most high God, and that he has the three omnis. The three omnis of God, which no creature has other than God, the omniscience of God, the all knowing of God, the omnipotence of God, the all powerful one. Right? So you have all-knowing, omnipotent, and the third omni is omnipresence. That God can bring everything into his presence in any part of the universe because he's outside of time, he's outside of the space-time continuum, and everything is brought into his presence at once. No created creature has that ability. And God is proving through the Exodus that he is the most high God who has the omnis. He will do the same again. So he is going to prove through the tribulation that he is the one true God, that he has the omnis, that he is the creator, sustainer, and savior, just like he's doing back then. So in essence, what's happening with the world, yes, it's getting worse but it's meant to show the glory of God that people will get saved. That's the whole point. And what we know from the tribulation is there's a massive revival during the tribulation of people getting saved. 
even seeing all the destructiveness, but they're seeing God's power. So do not think for a moment that even though this world is heading this direction, that God is not going to use it for his glory and to reach people for him. That's what he's doing. So there's a plan behind all of this. That's why we never can lose hope. We never can be depressed because we understand there's a bigger plan involved. And we're part of it, but you have to know these other dramas, these other narratives that are going on. He continues on in verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Well, I would like to answer that for Pharaoh. I can give you 10 reasons why you shouldn't go out after them. You just went through 10 plagues, for goodness sake. Didn't you learn your lesson? No, evil doesn't learn its lesson. It's like getting into a fight with an evil person, and you beat the thunder out of them, and you win the fight. And what does the person still want to do after you beat them? They want to get back up and still fight you. It's like, dude, I just beat you. And they just keep getting up, keep keep getting up, and they never learn their lesson. That's the nature of evil. So this guy, Pharaoh, and the army doesn't want to stop, even though he's went through the ten plagues. This guy is a megalomaniac. He's crazy. He's, he's not thinking straight. But that's what happens when you become evil. You don't think straight. Your quest for power, your quest for money, your quest for fame, it'll be unhinged, man. No one will be able to stop you. Just like today, these people are unhinged and they don't care if they violate laws. They don't care any, uh, anything about laws. They're just going to get their agenda met regardless of how they got to do it. If they have to do a fraud of an election, if they have to buy off judges, isn't that amazing? The states are suing the other states who had all this election fraud, and the Supreme Court decides to sit on their hands and say, we have no standing. What's that about? That's insane. The Supreme Court is sitting on their hands. They're the ultimate court. If we can't use them, who do we go to for justice? Oh, wait a second. So if they won't hear it, have they been bought off too? Have they been threatened? Have they also been bribed? Maybe. Why would they be cowards in the midst of this? Why? Huh. Or what side are they on? You get what I'm saying? And because of this, this is the nature of evil. It won't stop. It goes and goes all the way. And if they have to murder people, if they have to steal, if they have to threaten, if they'll do whatever it takes. That's what Pharaoh's doing. And you think, well, doesn't Pharaoh even understand he's coming up against the God of the universe? He doesn't think like that because pride blinds you. Pride blinds you. That's what these people don't see. They're blinded by their rage and their anger to get their accomplishments. Now, we obviously understand that Pharaoh's doing it for economic reasons. That's a practicality. So is the, the great uh, reset. The great reset that's coming on America is to destroy the American economy for a digital economy that only helps the elite. Okay? So Pharaoh's doing this for money, 
the elites are doing it for money too. Do you think they care that your businesses or that you lose your money? They don't care. They really don't. Think about how many businesses went out of business this year. That's intentional because they're like Pharaoh. We want all the money. We're going to control the money, not you. So the elimination of the middle class has to happen. It's funny. You watch Pharaoh. It's the same thing happening today, for goodness sake. It's the continuance of a lie. Remember what Pharaoh made up about Israel? He said, man, they're, gonna th- they're threatening us. They're at- going to attack us with other Asiatic groups. And man, they're a threat. Well, it's the same today. You and I are the threat to a, a, a society. You and I are the haters, the bigots. Israel is a threat to them. They've got to do something about Israel. We can't let Trump just let them do what they want to do. We've got to pin Israel down. We've got to pin these Christians down. We've got to pin the churches down. Make it illegal for them to meet, especially in this pandemic. But most of all, what I want to bring out is the satanic agenda in this. Obviously, Pharaoh's evil. But what's really driving him is Satan. That's what's driving him. Because Satan wants more than ever to prevent the Jews from having the promises made to them. Obviously, in that time, they're going into the promised land. Satan does not want them to go into the promised land. He wants to eliminate Israel. Satan's goal is to destroy the Jews. That's his number one priority. Do you know why? Because the Abrahamic promise that was made by God to Abraham, God still has to fulfill. It's, it's not all completed. And within that Abrahamic covenant is the Davidic, the new, and the land covenant, which still remains to be fulfilled in the Messianic kingdom. So what's all this about? It's part of what we call the angelic conflict. Satan goes after Israel because if he can wipe every Jew off the planet then God can't make good on his promises. And if God can't make good on his promises, Satan's accusation to God would be, you have no right to judge me. Because Satan is a father of lies. But what he's trying to do is, if he could say, you're a liar, God, you didn't preserve your people, you didn't come true on your promises to them, so you're a liar as well. How can you condemn me to the lake of fire if you're a liar too? That's what he's trying to do. That's why you, you, you see this constant through history of attacking Israel. And obviously with the church, he's attacking us because he attacks anything that God loves. And we're special to God being the bride of Christ. And so he goes after us as well to prevent us from accomplishing our mission for the church. And so that's what he's doing. So understand that today these people are being carried by Satan. They are nothing but useful idiots to Satan. People like George Soros or these people that are, you know, they're trying to control our world, these international bankers, please understand, they think they have their agenda. They have no clue they're being used by Satan to accomplish Satan's plan. They're just useful idiots, just like him today. But let me put this into more of our ballpark here. This coming persecution that's coming upon Israel, because he's going to go and attack them. He's going to try to attack them at Nueva Beach, okay? It's the same as what they're doing today. They're coming after the churches. They're coming after you and I. How do I know it? They say it. 
It's not a conspiracy theory. They're saying it. And let me show you the latest proposed persecution of the church to a Biden and Harris administration. And this comes from congressmen and congresswomen that are in politics that want to establish laws against you and I. And I'm going to show you a bunch of pictures of these congresswomen and congressmen, and then I'll read to you what they have said about you and I and how they want Biden and Harris to handle you and I. This statement was written to Joe Biden. It's called Restoring Constitutional Secularism and Patriotic Pluralism in the White House. And it was prepared exclusively by Secular Democrats of America, a PAC for President-elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris transition team. Now, I'm going to roll through names, and I want you to look at your persecutors. Number one, Representative Jamie Raskin, Representative Jared Huffman of California, Representative Jerry McNerney of California, Representative Dan Kildee of Michigan, Representative Don Bayer Jr. of Virginia, Representative Sean Castine of Illinois, Representative Steve Cohen of Tennessee, Representative uh, Pramila Jayapal of Washington State, Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia, Representative Zoe Lofgren of California, Eleanor Holmes Norton, a non-voting delegate from D.C., Representative Mark Pocan of Wisconsin, Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, Representative Susan Wilde of Pennsylvania. And guys, you can just keep rolling those pictures through. Take a good look, a real hard look. These are the people who proposed to Biden just recently to persecute you and I legally. How so? Let me read it for you. It states to the Biden administration we must, that Biden must educate the American public, particularly those identified as the religious right, on the need to keep their religious dogma to themselves. The document calls for a purge of social conservatives from all levels of government. Did you hear that? A purge. Labeling them as white nationalists and conspiracy theorists. That's you and I. We urge you not to underestimate the institutional strength of what we refer to as, interchangeably in this document as the Christian nationalist movement or the religious right. That's you and I. They say to Joe Biden, its extreme and sectarian agenda is on constant display under the Trump-Pence administration. Its political ideology is anti-democratic and anti-scientific. It provides constant cover for white supremacy. Did you catch that? It doesn't matter what color of melanin that's in your skin. If you're a Christian, then you're a white supremacist a white nationalist, and you have no place in this society. You need to be purged from all places of government. These are what your politicians have said about you and I. Here's some of the things they want to eliminate. You ready for this? 
eliminating government support for all crisis pregnancy centers and all abstinence-only education programs in schools. What do they want to teach? Well, they want to teach sex ed to kindergartners all the way up to high school of how to have sex as a child and how to gender identify with the 51 or 52 different gender identities. Deny free speech and religious liberty to select Americans based on religious beliefs. Did you catch that? We're having to our First Amendment. We're saying that you can't have free speech if you're from a religious persuasion, particularly Christianity or Judaism. Remove in God we trust from the U.S. currency. Incentivize states to strip parents of all non-medical exemptions to mandatory vaccinations for children in schools or daycare centers. That's Agenda 21, Agenda 30. Take the parental rights, the state gets the parental rights, and the state says, your kids will be vaccinated. We will force your kids to be vaccinated. Where's the parental rights? Gone. Repeal the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Rescind and replace Donald Trump's DOJ federal protections for religious liberty. Appoint an attorney general who will support governors whose emergency COVID-19 executive orders restrict gatherings at houses of worship. That's you and I. It would be illegal for you and I to meet if that gets passed. On a federal level, not just a state level, on a federal level. That's what they're proposing, so that no church can meet. And by the way, we're not done with these other viruses. There's another, another one coming down the pipe. Work with governors to educate and combat Project Blitz. Project Blitz was a, a pro-family group. And encourage the, the in, in introduction of Do No Harm Act at the state level. Christian nationalists, that's you and I, need to stop their injection of religion into public education. They attack reproductive health care, they undermine the LGBT equality, and they use a distorted definition of religious freedom. That's you and I. They have told Biden, we urge you to avoid invoking the phrase Judeo-Christian values as it has been weaponized by the religious right to advance an agenda that has the veneer of inclusivity but actually undermines religious freedoms, tolerance, and does not represent tens of millions of Americans implicitly excluded from its formulation. You are now witnessing eventually legal persecution of you and I and the churches. Now, there'll be plenty of Christians that go along with the program. There'll be plenty of churches that go along with the program. And what we're entering in is a time period where they're going to say, we got them. We have a Biden-Harris presidency. Now we can get these, these Christians. We can get the Bible out. We can purge America out of these people and get to the secular utopia we want. And what they don't realize is they have trapped themselves. They see us at Nueva Beach and they say, these Christians have nowhere to turn. There's nowhere for them to go. They don't have Trump anymore to protect them. Israel doesn't have Trump anymore to protect them. We've got them. And what the fools don't know is that God is prepared to deliver his church. And that deliverance 
as it was with Israel, and he parted the Red Sea, that deliverance will come with the parting of the sky. And the Lord will show up in the clouds for you and I and say, come up here. It's time to come home. Let them have this world. And you and I will go home. Let's pray. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.